Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 251, covering Threshold and Meld with Ben Weary. Hello, friends. We are excited for a couple of reasons. One, because we have a, a new guest we've never had on the show before, Ben. Hello. So, welcome, Ben. Hello. Uh, the, the other, because we're covering a, an infamously terrible episode of Voyager that I think... Isn't this the whole reason you came on, Ben, to, to cover this particular episode? I, I think this is the whole reason I was born. Ah. That's... I... That's sad. All of all of civilization and humanity has been building to this moment. Mm-hmm. You talking about threshold? Yeah, this is it. the The thing is, and we'll, we'll get into this after we, you know, do summaries and such. But like, it was bad, but it wasn't like I've seen worse. I've yeah, there was there were parts of this that I really enjoyed. Really, really, I'll let I go that far. But it, it's infamously like supposed to be one of the worst episodes of Voyager. I mean, Ben, how much of, how much of Voyager have you seen? I probably... I, I haven't seen much since it was first on. I probably watched the first few seasons, and mm-hmm. I definitely stopped by the time Seven of Nine came on, and then I had mm-hmm. gone back and watched a bunch of episodes, the the, the, the good episodes, I guess, from after her time. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of dropped off with, with that show at some point, and then I Picked up Star Trek again with Enterprise, which was a, a good move, I think. <laughs> well. So you, your experience is roughly mine, which is I gave it a chance. I didn't like it, so I stopped. Yeah. And then I tried with the other show and gave it a chance and didn't like it and stopped. <laughs> and then decided that Star Trek would never be good again. Yeah. Um, which is fair. Okay. But well, I, the reason I ask is because is this the worst Voyager episode you've seen? This is the worst that I remember. Like it sticks. Okay. Yeah. Because I yeah I requested this episode, and what I find is what I find funny about it when I was preparing to watch it, I was you know I was watching it with my girlfriend, and I told her like the premise of this is that is it okay if I give away the premise right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Actually, go ahead, go ahead and do your summary. You, oh, were, you did kind of a short summary, but that's yeah, okay. But let's that's just, what that's basically yeah. Through. It's that uh. Yeah, Tom Paris travels faster than Warp 10, turns into a giant salamander, has sex with Janeway as a salamander, and at that point, Janeway is also a salamander. And they have babies. That's it. And like, like, there wasn't more we typically to it. Do, yeah. We typically do longer s- the summaries, and I was like, well, you could flesh this out. Like, no. No, I think you hit all the, all the points. Yeah. It's not like a lot more happened. No. But anyway, so you're, you're talking to your girlfriend about it. Yeah, I, I basically said, this is what happens. He turns into a salamander, they have sex. And she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then that is exactly what happened. There's nothing. <laughs> like, there's no need I don't know what I was more, expecting, right? but more than that somehow. <laughs> I yeah, want to know what ended up on the cutting room floor of this. What what scenes were not needed to communicate the turns into salamander plot? <laughs> the thing is, and, and looking at the, the Memory Alpha entry on this, it's like fandom was really upset about it. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the people behind the scenes were really upset about it. Like, no, like... Sort of universally, everyone tries to distance themselves from this episode. Although, actually, salamanders were actually pretty into it. Oh, yeah. They loved it. Well, I mean, unfortunately, they're not a huge demographic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they only showed up for this episode, unfortunately. It's like they made this episode directly to appeal to the salamander audience, hoping they'd stick around. They didn't. No. No. And the advertisers didn't have enough time to adjust their advertising to to reach salamanders, so it really was just kind of a failed experiment, I would imagine. Yeah, everyone was pretty disappointed by how this one worked out. It's weird to see Brandon Braga say, yeah, I was trying something and it didn't work. (laughs) He doesn't usually say that. No, usually he says, I'm going to blow their minds. And it just, it doesn't, uh, I don't, like, it doesn't feel to me much worse than his usual, here is a premise that is... That doesn't make any damn sense that we're going to try to explain but not really explain and then just undo everything at the end. But this is certainly not the most ridiculous thing Star Trek has ever done. I I think I I think if the if the like the hitching point is that um, Paris and Janeway have sex, like if that's what everyone's problem is, I get it. But I mean, like we've had crew members turn into goofy shit before. You know, oh, Jordy, all sorts of Jordy un- turned into a glow-in-the-dark blue lizard oh, monster. Yeah. The crew of the original Enterprise all turned into bath salts. Like, 
But oh has, yeah, so they did. Has there been another case like this where like a, a super important historic event happened and also has wacky bullshit? Mm. Like if, if this did first contact, if first contact included everyone turning into, you know, gorillas or something and running around throwing feet. God, that would other. be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I want to see an all gorilla episode of Star Trek now, which would be like a silver age, like, you know, I don't know, flash comic or something where like you go to Gorilla City and then all that. No, um, I, I want to say early next gen had a couple episodes where they were like experimenting with something like with the traveler. Mm where they had like it, they didn't go faster than warp 10 but they did something yeah. yeah where they went like they transcended time and space and mind or some bullshit <laughs> yeah like also that. this guy was there yeah and also goat hoof guy <laughs> yep. who has a weird crush on wesley is there i did not mean you're the chosen on wesley, wesley to be a to be a pun by the I, way i want to be a fly in the wall in classrooms where they teach these things like do they include <laughs> yeah. the guy in the in the onesie in the lesson or I yeah I don't know but it it does tend to happen in Star Trek when you try to break the internal laws of physics that wacky shit happens. Well yeah, yeah first that's, that's, uh, first episode is all or I guess the second episode the first Kirk episode is all about going to the edge of the universe and getting silver eyes. Oh yeah, well ga- galaxy not universe. Oh excuse me, yeah it's a bit of a difference. <laughs> One is everything. One is one small part of everything. Not that this episode knows the difference between that. No, it does are, not. Are there cynical teenagers like on Earth that like later learn about the salamander angle on the warp ten thing, and they're like, they didn't tell us that they turned into salamanders at the end. My parents are so so lame. They're trying to hide the truth from us. I love the idea of Janeway teaching at the academy later. It's like I, I don't have to listen to you. You were a salamander for a while. <laughs> you mean like like warp ten truthers? Yeah. Yes. Except it's not a crazy conspiracy theory. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. It, it really happened. Like all conspiracies. The autobiography yeah. of Janeway. Yes, I was a salamander. <laughs> That's what it's That's called. That's the cover. Because <laughs> everyone's going to ask that first. So <laughs> yes, I was a salamander. The Catherine Janeway story. <laughs> she leaves out all the sexy bits because she knows that Tom Paris is going to put that in his book. Yep. I, okay. <laughs> yes, I fucked a salamander, the Tom Paris story. <laughs> but I was a salamander at the time, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, but I mean, we've, we have had that before. We've had, we have had plenty of inappropriate hookups among crew members who would never hook up. Yeah. yeah. We had like Ensign Rowe and, and Riker. Mm-hmm. We had... Everything uh, that ever happened in the Naked uh, Now. Oh, yeah. Naked Time and Naked Now. Mm-hmm. We had... Um, Cisco and Dax got uncomfortably close a few times, which always made us squirm. Cisco had sex with Mirror Dax. Oh yeah, Cisco had sex with Mirror everybody. Mm-hmm. Like all the Mirror people were having sex with each other. Yep. So there's a lot of there. It's not unprecedented to do that either. So really, as individually, there's nothing in this that yeah. they haven't done before. But collectively, it is a little. Uh, I think d- it's yeah. the combination. The combination of. Uh, yeah, the the warp speed and then the salamander. Like, they don't naturally go together, so it seems weird. Well, the, and, and a lot of this is, I, for me, how casually they treat it. Like, when it, it doesn't follow the usual Brandon Braga formula of let's do something stupid and then spend the last, last half of the episode just telling you why it happened. <clears throat> like, Ben, you pointed out they, they really do that first. Yeah, they kind of got what was happening. They didn't know it would be a salamander, but he know they know he's turning into something. Mm. Well, they, the they they foreshadow that he will occupy all points in space simultaneously. Which, by the way, is the last place I want Paris. You mean I can look into all <laughs> women's locker room everywhere in the universe? What what I think is remarkable is he he occupies I mean, and the universe. You know, to to borrow from like Hitchhiker's Guide is big, like, but really it's it like. There's a lot of points in the universe, mm-hmm. and yeah. he remembers being in sick bay. Like, really? <laughs> of all the infinite places you could be, you remember this one room on this one ship. Like, I'm okay with him coming back to Voyager, but, you know, what about his yeah. room? Or the what? bridge? Or, yeah. Or his but stupid bar. Or <laughs> millions and millions of other galaxies mm-hmm. that we that are full of all kinds of crazy life forms and you know, like there's just so much. God, I would love if he ended up back on Earth somehow and then turned into a salamander. <clears throat> it's just like I'm back from Voyager. What? <laughs> I'm turning into a salamander. What? <laughs> and the only yeah. way he 
the inherent in the way to like not be a salamander is sending him back to Voyager. Like mm. you can go to Earth and be a salamander, you can go be a human on Voyager. You can't have both. Like oh, <laughs> better to reign in the, in hell as yeah, a salamander. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I just it feels like he's awfully limited for occupying every point in the universe that mm. he remembers. Just like boring. Like I saw some Klingons and I saw some Romulans and really. That's just our galaxy. There's a lot yep. more out there. Klingons and Romulans. That was it. I think this means that there's nothing else. <laughs> that ooh. That, that that's what be. got revealed in this episode. People don't talk about it, but there's the, the, like this galaxy is full of that's you know all the humanoid is. life, and the rest of the universe is just empty. Empty. Yeah. Oh, that's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, my my point, my original point was like the the usual formula is is sort of inverted and. What what you end up get getting is it's really rushed at the end. Like yeah, they're salamanders who have babies, and then suddenly they're back to normal, and this all happens within about five minutes. Like yep. all that stuff happens at the very end. So part of it is how casually everything is happens, and then is undone, and then dismissed. Mm-hmm. That might be that might make it worse because everyone's just like yeah that happened, and then it didn't happen. Whatever. Yep. Yeah, with nothing to explain, that did just seem like well we got that taken care of, and then they kind of wipe their yep. hands, and yeah, you're back to normal. All right, moving on. I think next week we'll do a Tuvok episode. <laughs> and it's it's one of those, like, thing I always complain about in episodes where people turn into stuff. Like, their brains have mutated and their organs have changed, and then everything's back to normal. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't seem like it would happen. Yeah, it would be messier. And I get I get skipping over that for a TV show. But, like, yeah, she's mm. got a full head of hair, and her skin should be all raw and, like, new. She doesn't have scars she used to have. Yeah. And, yeah. Or or they could just say, two weeks later. Yeah. And just imply that there was recovery time. Well, I'm to see it. glad I'm not a salamander anymore. That was a long <laughs> two weeks. Yeah. I don't need this bath anymore. <laughs> I borrowed it from Troy in the evolution episode. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, that was a de-evolution episode. De-evolution they went backwards episode, yeah. in that. In this, he's going forward. Like, totally different. And this is this is my bad thing. And and Ben, you you have some education in biology, yes? Yeah, yes. Like, you, you have had postgraduate education <laughs> in the way evolution works, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, that's not how it works, right? Like, my understanding is we randomly mutate and the stuff that is best suited to our environment is what survives and 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 procreates and you don't evolve towards something you just sort of adapt to your environment no, there's not like there's a no set ending for evolution right just like well this is it right if there and- was some some direction to it like we would end up being salamanders like you have to know something about the future uh you know depending on what your opinion is on uh you know determinism free will how, how the universe sure. is unfolding but like you know you could look go in a time machine find out in the future we're salamanders and then you would know but i don't know how his genes know it well and and that would be like again we're adapting to our environment so that would be earth mm-hmm. a guy like he, his environment hasn't changed in however many millions of years are supposed to have passed you know what i mean like yeah like he's in that shuttle the whole time so is the salamander the best life oh. form for the shuttle that's what that i was i, I was talking about this with mal how interesting it would be if he evolved into something like that was designed to live on voyager <laughs> right that's what i mean <laughs> that is an interesting angle yeah because i i took it as like this is what humans are going to be yeah and mm-hmm. his, his gene you know i don't know if he was he was in all points in space i don't know if he was also across time and i guess that would make sense if he was able to access the future genes but mm. Yeah, he's adapted for life on a shuttle. Yeah, that's right. really that's a really interesting concept to me. Well, and also they're clearly not random mutations because when he kidnaps the captain, she turns into exactly the same thing, just yep. a female yeah. version of it. So that's clearly like the plan, I guess. I think that's the future of humanity. Maybe that's why Q like gives everyone a hard time because he knows what's coming. It's completely oh, understandable. God. Then that answers a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys are messing are... <laughs> around with these like bipedal like like primate forms, but really, this is not what you're supposed to be at all, man. <laughs> no, just wait. Let me take you to the pinnacle of humanity: salamanders, mm, fucking giant, in a swamp. The the thing is, I thought more like crocodile, like because they're big, they are big, and they're flat. Like they don't have the big the big jaws and the big teeth, but they they're you know they're like big flat lizards. I looked up some pictures of salamanders, and they're very close. They got those. They have those ear things, which that's the technical term, I think. Mm -hmm. Ear things, ear things, those stocky antler things. I don't even know what they uh, do. I should probably learn that, but 
And lizard yeah, mustaches. I mean, you, <laughs> lizard mustaches. <laughs> I do like, if, if this had been my episode to pick a quote, I would have picked. Uh, they, go, they go down to the planet, they're trying to scan, and they look at the two, and well, uh, that's Paris and the captain. How did, which one is which? Well, the captain is the female. And that's it. That's all he says. Yep. And it just, that's really I, funny I, <laughs> That was kind of my good thing for this episode, is just, I love how everyone treats all of the crazy shit happening in this episode is completely fucking crazy. There's a scene where they, like, in that scene where they beam down to the planet, uh, they're just looking at the two lizards next to each other, and Chakotay just goes, I have no idea what my log entry is going to look like for this. <laughs> yeah. And, Ch- and Tuvok goes, I want to see that log entry. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's there's some good dialogue, and like I like when they hang a lantern on that stuff, and we've said this before, if this just turned into the campy, nuts, everything is crazy show, like, be that amazing. would be okay, but they always try to make it serious and it, play it straight, and that's where it falls apart for me, like, if it was a show where this was just a normal thing that happens, no, I just I, that would be funny to me. Like that would be fun. Everyone, everyone on Star Trek is always so well. This is happening, and there's a scientific explanation. I just love seeing someone go. This is fucking weird. Well, their their main go to science person is currently occupied, so the rest of them can't wrap their brains around it. I guess she'd be okay with it. They're like, uh, this is exactly the way the universe works, Mister Chicote. I mean, she's a physicist. Yep. So like. To her, this is all like, oh, well, obviously, you know, if you travel past warp 10, this is what happens. Uh Uh-huh. No, that makes perfect sense. Is it? (laughs) Uh, And and I I, I will say about the crazy shit happening, too. I, I remember when the show was being pitched, like, to audiences and stuff. I did expect a lot more crazy shit because they were Yeah, we're on the other end of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. It's not like the established stuff. It's all new, weird stuff. Right. And I guess I was naive, but I didn't imagine like, well, it'll just be another alien, but they'll have a different thing on their head. This time it's feathers. Yeah. So like in a way, like this kind of episode did sort of fulfill a lot of the promise of the show. But again, it plays it so straight because really Paris is meant to be a tragic figure and we're supposed to feel bad for him. We don't. No, of course we don't. (laughs) <laughs> and like again if they played it like campy would be okay with me like just full on like well lizards happened this week and we fucked next week who knows like, <laughs> i'm okay just with another that. day on voyager that was the I, that was the captain's log i think <laughs> yeah t- uh, Chakota just gives up and here i'll do it <laughs> captain's log Welp. <laughs> um ben what was your good thing Oh, uh, my good thing. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think especially for for the time this was filmed and for TV budget and for, I guess, UPN budget, um, mm-hmm. I think the salamanders look pretty good. Uh, I guess there is a practical like puppet kind of thing. Uh, they were slimy. They were they were big. They were colorful. Uh, yeah, yeah we had cute. like we had various stages of, of first Paris mutating and then full on salamanders and then baby versions. Yep. So there were a bunch of different versions of them, and they all look pretty good. I think. The salamanders and the pretty. Go ahead. No, that's it. Oh, yeah, the babies. Like, like there was a little puppety. Like it was. It reminded me of a, the episode from a couple weeks ago, Matt, where we had the sort of bird type guys. Yeah. No, they they kind of gave me the hanks, and I don't know why. Huh? Just weird. I mean, looking. like in a good way, in a creepy like. It's like that, well, I mean, they're way. well designed. They're certainly well designed. They look good, but I like if they were designed to make me feel kind of uneasy, they worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, if those are supposed like, to be ugh. beloved characters. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, beloved. I mean, look- Paris is there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they look like they were having a good time there. They kind of stomp on their feet, and they there's a moment where they get shot with the with the uh, phasers. They look kind of bummed out. <laughs> Just like, oh, oh, party's over. Why? Yeah. <laughs> But my children, just, my babies. <laughs> well, no, they don't seem to care about that at all, which is Ben's bad thing, actually. <laughs> yes, the babies get right out of dodge too. They go into the water. <laughs> Fuck this. Yeah, <laughs> our parents taught us that one day the big ones would come, and we should run. So, do you, uh, do you imagine that this actually like because from their perspective, maybe they've been there for twenty years or something? Like, oh yeah, what's the lifespan of giant future human salamanders? Yeah, that yeah. would be yeah. That and you bring in the whole like uh, infinite time. Yeah, like I don't know, maybe they've been there for lifetimes, or I don't know, like you know what I mean. Like maybe they've had a, t- a chance to evolve sort of a culture that has that. I, how, I don't know. How about this angle? What if that wasn't Paris and Janeway? They <laughs> and they just they're they the descendants. They turn them into Paris and Janeway, yeah. That's well, and really they used, funny. Like, I think the doctor said they used some DNA they had on file. 
There you go. So like what they did was they injected Janeway DNA into this random <laughs> salamander they found. Right. And maybe and the turned next. it in. Yeah. Turned it into Janeway. Yeah. And they she'd heard enough of the stories about the Janeway that she's able <laughs> right. to fake it all this time. <laughs> wow. That explains why she moves so stiffly in the next episode. <laughs> yes. yes. Adjusting to her new human body. <laughs> That's it. That's no, it. you you had the you had the phrase here, deadbeat parents, and you you're totally right about that. Yeah, there's they not just, even any mention. I don't think about like should we have left or like I hope our kids will be like I don't think they even mention the kids. No, and we've so many Star Trek episodes across all the series always are so excited about new life, mm-hmm. and they've created a whole new life form and bred a whole new life form, and eh, we don't care. It's like and you know it, what? I think the the sooner I can forget this ever happened, the better. And I think Star Trek, as a, as a biology nerd, I noticed Star Trek is very big on the physics and chemistry. They often lose the biology angle. And really, if you're a biologist, especially an evolutionary mm-hmm. biologist, and you could have even just the genome of a future human, oh, yeah. like mm-hmm. that would be all kinds of insight. Uh, yeah, a mutated human that's, I mean, whether it's actually more advanced or not, it doesn't matter. It's still a whole separate strand of like, yeah. you know. Like yep. that. I, I I understand that not being a biology nerd. That makes total sense. <laughs> but they kept it on file. I guess it's uh, it's fine. Uh huh. Yeah. But there and the other thing you pointed out was it, it's like it's it's like uh, the bullfrogs in Australia uh, thing from The Simpsons. Like they yes. just eh, let's just let them go. Yep. Yeah, they leave whatever. them there, and I don't know. Maybe it's maybe they'll just get eaten by whatever predators there, which is also not great for them. But yeah, yeah. they're potentially ecological disaster on this random planet that they they landed on. We were talking during the episode about uh, them coming back in the in the books to see what they'd done. <laughs> well, nobody like everyone is so keen to say this episode never happened. Like, like Kate Mulgrew, I've always read nothing but like very diplomatic, gracious things from her, and she's like, "Yeah, I kind of wish that didn't happen." Mm. And to her, <laughs> from her, that really means, "Oh, this was fucking terrible." Yep. <laughs> and Robert Dun- Duncan McDeal, the guy who plays Paris, is like, "I don't really understand what happened in this," and like, pretty much everyone is just like, "Yeah." Well, I mean, no. a, a couple years from now, I I can't tell you the episode, but I heard this. Um, there's actually an episode of Voyager where they where someone says, "Well, no one's ever gone warp ten before," so even they are like, "Not nah, this episode didn't happen." Yeah, <laughs> let us never speak of this again. Yeah, but let's ship. let's talk about that for under a minute, penalty like, of torture. <laughs> let, let's let's talk about that for a minute. Like, I like the idea. Like, this is actually my my good thing. I like the idea that they're exploring these unconventional options to get home, like not just wormholes and stuff, but trying to actively improve their technology and like. Starfleet's probably working on this back home, yep. but like these guys are putting extra attention to it. And like if they find unusual substances, like they find some special dilithium that like might be better for this. And they're like, yeah, let's let's really let's get a team on this. Let's try like cracking the warp 10 thing. That might be a way home. And that, I, I, I kind of like that. That being said, I hate the idea that uh, Bellana Paris and Harold did it in like a month. <laughs> well, that and as, as ben especially since out, Paris is the guy in the group project who doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, and and as Ben rightly pointed out, uh, Paris really gets all the credit for it. Yep, yeah, they get nothing. And and that yeah, he's oh good good. I was gonna say that 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 plot line the what I always call the the let's try and undo the premise of the series where they try yeah. to get home, like that can backfire. And I think there are episodes, especially at the beginning of the series, where they it, like the entire climax is all dependent on whether this idea will work and whether they'll get home. And we know they won't get home. This right. one, at least, you know, it was certainly an application of of this idea, but it didn't all depend on whether it works or not. It, it basically did work. Then it, all other stuff happened. So. Right, it, but it, it avoided peaked. that. Like we we got to that it doesn't work point at like Act Two or something. Like early on, we knew okay this works, but well, it it's did, not viable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's not it's not like the whole episode's that. based on that. Right, exactly. Yeah, they that the does it work or does it not got resolved pretty early. Right. Although I think it worked. I think they could develop this. It did. I. I. What. What's weird to me is they. Okay, so maybe it's dangerous or unpredictable for biologicals. But, like, why don't you send a probe out? Like, they talked about sending a probe out using this, and the data that they got back was just, like, mounds and mounds. Like, we have pictures of literally everything until <laughs> the computer ran out of memory. Like, yeah. it's it saw all things. And if you keep sending probes out, then you have, like, a perfectly detailed map, and you won't run into any more problems. You could find the wormholes that might get you home. Mm-hmm. You could send messages back home. Like, there's so many ways they could use this. And they just, eh, we don't care. Let's not yeah. do that again. We don't want the probe to turn into a lizard. <laughs> like a robot lizard. 
Well, then you're, then you're in, a, in an original series episode where the probe, like, comes back and it's advanced and it wants to kill them. You're in an original <laughs> series episode that I want to watch. Uh, yeah, me too. We had robots last week. I like robots. Yeah. More robots, please. But I, in general, I really do like the idea that they're trying different, like, rather than just waiting to find a hole, mm-hmm. they're actively trying to find a better way to get home. And that's, you know, I like that. Um... The, all that said, though, Matt, there's your bad thing of the whole character meat of the episode, which is Paris. Oh, God. <laughs> no, my my big problem with this episode is just the, the, the end of the episode. Like, Oh, see, that's the culmination of it, I think. Like, let me let me just talk about that real briefly before yeah, yeah. you get into your specific thing. Then I cool. thought you were talking about the whole because the whole thing about Paris, you, yeah. you had a great note where it's like Paris in two sentences. My dad said he's proud of me. Then my dad said he's not. proud. Yeah, that's pretty much everything you need to know about Tom Paris right there. <laughs> and we're supposed to be sympathetic. And we're supposed there's a point where the doctor says you have a two percent anomaly in your brain that might make you not as well suited for this as, say, Harry. Mm-hmm. And so the captain's like, yeah, it's a tiny thing, but it might be enough that we should send Harry instead. And he, he throws a temper tantrum. He does. Basically. No, I want to <laughs> go. The, I'm the special one. Mm. And like, shut up. But he not. was kind of right because he wanted to be the one in the ship doing the piloting. And that's the only person who got any credit. Like he wouldn't be in the history books. No one's going to read about Ensign Kim. No, no one cares about sense. the guy who drove it. Like fucking I, the guy who built it. You mean, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like they built it. Mm-hmm. All he yeah. did was like get in the box. I don't know. He's the but on the other. Yeah. On the other hand, transwarp. I, I had this note too. They talked about this in Star Trek Three, which would have been a hundred years ago. But didn't like didn't, the Excelsior was supposed to have transwarp drive? Right. I think that's a brand name. Oh, ooh, that could be yeah. Because <laughs> they had warp, uh, warp like fifteen or something in the original series, right? And yeah, and then they talked about recalibrating it so that warp ten was the top. It's basically right. like what the speed of light is supposed to be now, like the infinite speed like, right anyway matt i didn't want to i didn't want to take away from your thing i just like the whole paris arc is terrible but it 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 pays off in this thing you're talking about oh the just the the, the end of this episode where they janeway puts him in for a commendation like what yeah. <laughs> well, no she puts him in for a commendation five seconds after they talk about like we we had sex no i mean that yeah my my biggest problem with this episode is the the last page of dialogue between janeway and paris is absolute garbage he's just like oh, i'm sorry i had sex with you and she's like oh how do you know i didn't have sex with you anyway that's not important right now i'm putting you in for a commendation and then paris goes i don't i don't have any i used to think i had to i had to prove myself but i don't have to prove myself to anyone but my, but myself and my dad can go to hell uh-huh. that's, like, the, that's serious oh sorry go ahead. no one asked about your dad well he can go to hell anyway stop stop <laughs> randomly telling people about your dad yeah <laughs> it keeps bringing it up I, I i that seems like serious sour grapes too <laughs> like this major accomplishment i did that turned way wrong mm-hmm. yeah I, well i, I didn't want to do it anyway. accomplishments anymore <laughs> uh-huh there's a there's a bit that's legit legitimately creepy. I think we all agreed when his tongue falls out. Yes. Like when he's when he's evolving. He's like full that on Brundlefly of, at this point. Yeah, he's very viscerally just like. Ugh. But then we have a whole scene where he talks without a tongue, mm-hmm. and it sounds like a really in poor taste like comedian doing like here is a mentally challenged person voice. Like oh it's, please stop. It, it's rough, man. And like please they're giving stop. him all this important dialogue and it's just like, oh you sound it's like stop it. Yeah, this is like getting to the heart of like his whole daddy issues thing. Yep. My father said I was but but he's doing in the terrible I'm not doing the voice. Well he he terrible. reverted to a childlike state. That's it was all symbolic. Because he's evolving? <laughs> he 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 devolved first into a child and then Oh I he, see. Future evolved into a sound. Future evolved. Future evolved. I mean, yeah, that is. The, again, that is again you've studied this stuff. Is that the technical term? <laughs> that it is now. Yeah. All right. Coined well, just, on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but the, really, just everything feels super rushed at the end. We're just like, uh, and then they're fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Yeah, it worked out. Don't worry about it. I. Uh, Do you the think important thing his... is Paris's daddy issues? <laughs> yeah. Do you think he tells his dad about it? Dear Dad. Guess what? <laughs> what? You said I'd never amount to anything. Well, I was a fucking salamander, and I, I got laid. I <laughs> fucked the captain. What's the highest ranked person you ever fucked? And that's what I thought. Dad, Dad, 
I broke the transwarp barrier. I made it to warp 10. Yeah, well, your your teacher says you turn into a salamander. <laughs> Next time, try and do it better. <laughs> okay. He's never other... good enough for you as a dad. <laughs> any, anything else? I don't want to talk about this anymore. Uh, <laughs> do you guys have any other major points? Nah, let's move on. Well, yeah, Ben, okay. did, you, did you have a quote? Did you... You oh, had a couple uh, of possibilities here. Yeah, I think this will tie in. Uh, this was a great quote of Paris's. Uh... <laughs> you know, it's funny. What I remember most about being a kid are the times I spent in my room crying. Hey, me too. <laughs> Thanks, Paris. Thanks. I try not to remember those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to say I didn't have them. But I don't, you know, as an adult, I don't tend to, like, dwell on that. And also, it's, but... you know, the times I spent, it sounds like... He kind of looks back on it fondly, you know, and he was yeah, like, well, time. it's time oh, yeah. for me to spend time in my room crying. Reminiscing about crying. <laughs> uh, well, pushing on to an episode I was surprised I liked. Meld. Meld. Consulting my very first treasury of 50 tired Star Trek cliches, the writers realize they haven't done the requisite get inside the mind of a killer episode yet. And they realize this is insane because Voyager's security officer is a Vulcan who can actually get inside the mind of a killer. And why haven't we done this episode yet? Because it practically writes itself. Credit where it's due, though. We don't see the killer's mind represented as a physical place. Thank in the, God. In particular, the same physical places we spend every episode on, only shot at weird angles with bad lighting. We don't have any ranting and waving a knife around scenes. We don't even spend a ridiculous amount of time waiting for Tuvok to solve the mystery that we've known the answer to since Act 2. This get inside the mind of a killer episode is actually pretty okay. The killer in question is Crewman Suter, a Maquis Betazoid played by a guy I really feel like I should know, but when I looked it up, I saw a bunch of junk about hobbits and fell asleep, so I never really got my answer. Anyway, if the name Brad Dorif means anything to you, it's that guy. Tuvok works out pretty quickly that he's the one who murdered crewman Darwin, because I guess Darwin didn't suffer enough in the previous episode. But Tuvok can't determine a motive for the killing, and being the type of person that Tuvok is, is really bothered by this. So... He gets Suter to concede to a mind meld, and after a fashion determines that there was indeed no motive. Some animals are just jerks, Captain, he says, <laughs> returns to duty with a shrug. <laughs> Meanwhile, Suter, having committed the most serious of crimes, is being punished with Voyager's most severe penalty, staying in his room. And we're presented with yet another example of the show telling us just how ineffectual they are at enforcing anything resembling effective discipline. Yep. Better just hope everyone kind of gets along. It's like we were talking about this uh, last week with uh, Chakotay just like disobeying orders and the captain just saying, well, you're on report. Mm. Yes, whatever. <laughs> also, uh, because people will definitely tell us, uh, Brad Dorf, also the voice of Chucky. Ah, yes. Now, he's in a bunch of like he's very successful, like very like prolific. I just I haven't seen most of the stuff he's in, but mm-hmm. he's he's quite well known, apparently. Not so. a Chucky fan, huh? Uh, not not as such, but even still, he's the voice of Chucky, so I probably wouldn't recognize. That's him true. Chucky. Like I did see that. Uh, ben, you you do like Lord of the Rings, though. Like, can you briefly tell us like what what is his involvement with those? He was the sort of wormy guy. I think his name was Wormtongue. Oh yeah yeah, yeah okay. okay yeah he was like working for sorry for spoilers if you haven't seen him <laughs> he's working for uh, Christopher Lee's character Saruman, mm-hmm. uh, but you first so he's see a bad him. Guy. You, uh, he's a He's a bad guy, yeah. He's uh, the he first, always whispering in the guy's ear or whatever, right? Yes, he. You first see him with those, like the horse people's king is all like all covered in dust and spider webs and stuff, and he's all old, and he's secretly, I guess, controlling him too. Mm. So that's where so he's, he first he's up. basically his type is is creepy, like that's what he plays. Yeah, yeah, that's his that's his thing. Yeah, I and and he does and it I, here as well. I saw him in person too. I saw him walking around waiting to get into New York Comic Con. A few mm-hmm. years ago, in the lobby, he was walking around, and he was really. Is that creepy. the vibe that he gives you in real life too? <laughs> yes. Just like walking around. He got shivers, and I was like, "Oh, oh, there, oh. there he is." Oh, it's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's one of those. I don't think he was as famous as he is now. Like when this came out, so as you know, like this. I I like to point it out. Like it's more significant for me when we'll see like Sarah Silverman or like uh, even Andy Dick, who I don't like, but I know who he is. Like. So I like to point it out for people like, hey, this guy was in the show, mm. but I, it doesn't really mean anything to me. <laughs> you probably would recognize, you know, people would recognize him because even his yeah, IMDb yeah. page, it's a ton of stuff. Like every, It is. He, like I said, he's, he's very prolific. Like he's yeah. done tons of stuff. Mm. He's, he's in a lot of sequels to stuff, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's in a lot of part three, Rise of the Whatever. But was yeah. he in Hollow Man 2 is the real question. I feel like he might have been. Probably. 
No, it was like the directed DVD, like Hollow Man 5, <laughs> when they couldn't get Christian Slater back. <laughs> no, it was like, I, I, for all me not knowing who he is, he's quite good. Like, I, I say he was well cast and did a good job with the what could have been a real cliche, like uh, terrible serial killer we've seen a million times. Like, I think he did a good job. Well, you were saying during the episode, like, you know, one of the great things about this one is that they don't treat the serial killer guy as like, well, he's not even a serial killer. He killed one guy um, as like. Well, he's killed other people in the Maquis, but in the the course of being a Maquis. Yeah. Um, But I mean, like, they don't go the, the Sons of the Lambs route where he's like, you know, standing in his, in his cell, being all, and then this blah blah blah. Well, they don't do exactly that, but they also don't do the crazy rant about some like the abstract the principle guy. that he's yeah, the yeah. darkness and the light, or like I was trying to find their purity, I had like, to get perfection. Right. It's it's just like he's a sociopath, like in the truest sense mm. of like he doesn't he can't really relate to things emotionally, and he thought the guy should be dead, and so he killed him. Mm. And I uh, I kind of like that. As this kind of story goes, yeah, and there was there was no worldview he was trying to convince everyone else right. of either. Yeah, yeah, that's no, the just, big thing. Is like he's not trying to say people should be dead because of that. Like no, no, he just killed this guy because he was pissing him off, and then he tried yeah. to get away with it and he failed. And he's he's Betazoid, which actually apparently was uh, Tim Russ's suggestion. He's like, wouldn't it be weird like if we had these super emotional people and this one guy just like can't really relate to emotions and. Amanda was actually pointing out to me when we watched this that like yeah this this would be that would be kind of hell these mm-hmm. open op- this whole open society of telepaths who are very like they touch each other a lot they they it's implied that they're very sexual yep. like they're very open with their emotions and he just can't relate to the one guy who doesn't feel anything yeah and wants to be left alone like, yeah he would be a little off you know like I like that mm. that's a cool idea and I really my good thing was I like mind melding is kind of a given in Trek at this point. Like it's been there since the early days of the original series. And it's nice to see that they found a new angle on it, that it's, this is unpredictable and dangerous. Like this is meant for Vulcans among Vulcans. Like a Vulcan melding with a a Betazoid is not a thing. Like this was designed to do. And so it kind of retroactively paints Spock. Like we saw Spock do it with everyone and anyone. All the He was, he was a meld slut. Here, Spock, get in the mind of this rock monster. Okay, done. Rock monster. It wasn't a rock, Captain. Um, but it, it kind of retroactively paints Spock like that, and and you kind of see Kirk's influence on him. Like he he just crazy taking chances. Like like I I buy this as a retcon. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to do this, but Spock probably still would have anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like I like that, but I, in particular, I like the idea that yeah, this is meant to be. Vulcans are pseudo telepathic, and it only really works among themselves and the the it can other be really like, dangerous. You bring in other races, and it's it gets weird. Especially another know. psychic race. I don't even think know yeah. if they touched on that or not. They did a little, I think. Hmm. But I like I don't know. I like that. It's a neat idea. It and is good, good use of the world because sometimes with some of Star Trek episodes, you wonder like, does this have to be a Star Trek? And having yeah. it be a Vulcan with these abilities mm-hmm. and this. This sort of interest, this curiosity about about the killer, uh, that kind of justifies it. Yeah, absolutely. No, and we've talked about this a lot where, like, I like episodes where they use the existing. It doesn't have to, like, it's usually the technology, but can it also be this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the stuff we already have. They don't invent a special thing for the episode. They're just kind of exploring stuff they already have. Yeah. And I like that. I like when they say, okay, well, if we had a transporter, we could do this. Why don't we see what that means? Yeah. If, if we had mind melding, then what about that? You know, like it's 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 a good way to not just pull stuff out of your ass for, you know, the sake of a story. You, sure. you kind of use what you already have. I like that. I also I really like the idea of um, Tuvok not being able to understand a modem, a motiveless murder. Oh, yeah. No, that's really good. I like as a Vulcan, but also just as kind of a I don't know, like Ben described him as a nerd a lot, which I like. Yep. But he's got that that definite sort of obsessive quality about him. Like, but I don't. What? It doesn't make sense. Why didn't you? Why? Th- there's this murder always, isn't there's canon. Always a motive. Why? Why? Yeah. There's no reason yeah. to kill someone for no reason. Like for no reason. And the guy's just and like, even, I didn't like him. 
even as detective stories go to like the detective solves the murder it's all wrapped up and often you get this cliche where they're like wait there's something doesn't fit and there's something mm. else going on and in an in a regular story that would lead to all other stuff that's happening in here yep. no there, there's nothing else going on he just doesn't understand it and then that leads to what happens next but yeah but that's kind of a, a neat twist on the detective kind of trope yeah and mm. instead of being like an episode of house where like the thing that doesn't make sense is yeah is the answer yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Instead, the thing that doesn't make sense never makes sense because and, the people are fucking weird, and the drama really comes from our uh, the character we're following not being able to make sense of that and not being able to like move on. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and that's good conflict, I think. That like that's good drama writing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I, I I don't know. Like I, there's so many ways. I, I was Ben was like yeah this is pretty good I guess I'm not really getting like the, the vibe I got was that you didn't you weren't as impressed with it as I, we were but like I think on the second watch and definitely talking to you guys I mean I'm very mm-hmm. impressionable so I think I liked it more <laughs> I think I think my first impression was that it seemed like this was two or three different premises that that could be their own show like even mm-hmm. just the idea of like him not understanding the motive. And then wanting could just to be get an episode it. on its own. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been a whole episode or him, um, him uh, or even from the killer's point of view, you know, Suter gaining controls over his impulses. That could have been a whole thing. And right. none of them were so well developed as they could be. I think on watching it again, I kind of get they're going for a different thing and it kind of fits a little better than I thought. But uh, yeah, that was my first impression. Mm. Well, I I was gonna say like I kind of grade on a curve, and like I've seen them try this kind of story so many times, and they <laughs> they zigged where they zagged, where they usually zag usually, and like it it made me happy that so many of the usual cliches were different, and I I'm, I really what I'm saying is it's good for Voyager. I'm not necessarily yeah. saying it's well, it's good. <laughs> well, I think too if they were gonna try to to do right by a, one of these premises on their own, it would mm-hmm. require like really good writing. It would have to be up there with like the, there are four lights kind of thing, especially yeah. if it's a, a heady kind of concept. So I don't know that they would have been able to do it, especially on their schedule and you know how this stuff works. But uh, I don't, I mean, next gen had the same schedule. They just had yeah. better writing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And DS nine did some good, like psychological, like I think what you're getting at is sort of like the two hander getting inside their heads, like that kind of thing. Yeah, or even like a really good, strong sort of character study. Uh, right. But it's science fiction, so you you change their brain. What happens when their brain changes? Like, how does they right. respond to stuff, and what's mm-hmm. their arc then? Yeah. Well, they, they explored that a little, but you're right, they could have gone more in-depth. But the idea that, that Tuvok loses control from this meld, and this guy actually gets control, and he's like, wow, for the first time... I don't want to kill people. This feels pretty good. Yeah, like his, uh, can we do this more often? Tuvok's like, that's probably not the best idea. <laughs> yeah, he's like twitching. No, no. <laughs> but that really leads to your uh, your good thing, Ben, when he's when we find out what his uh, usual stress relief. Uh... Oh, yeah. So my my good thing, yeah, we get to see Neelix get strangled to death in a, oh, in a scene wonderful. where, yeah, I guess Neelix is essentially catcalling Tuvok to his face <laughs> try to get him to smile more yeah. uh, and trying to get him to go to sex parties although that was an earlier scene <laughs> that was real though the, <laughs> that what was, you're talking about is on the holodeck that, <laughs> that was a real scene i think it'll get incorporated into the program probably oh, fair uh, enough but then the bad thing was that yeah it was just a holodeck simulation he just he has a program where he goes to strangle neelix i don't think he just created this for his i've lost control because i've melded with a killer thing i think this has been in place all along <laughs> <laughs> computer pull up tuvok program three Yes, stress relief program 1A. Yeah. Hello, Mr. <laughs> no, we had we had this thing way back when we did the original series. There's a the, the where they go to western planet and Chekhov gets shot. <laughs> and we hated Chekhov so much we just wanted to see him get shot over and over. <laughs> and along those lines I would love to see Neelix get choked over and over. It could get worked into every episode, I think. Just a little Neelix choke in every episode, yeah. Or or Neelix could suffer in some way. There's a, a handful of episodes back, he got his eye pecked out by a bird. Like, <laughs> that'd be fine. <laughs> oh, no, my neck. <laughs> it's always, as Matt pointed out, always some like new part of his body being threatened yep. every time. Because so. <laughs> someone stole his lungs one time and then pecked out his eye and now they're choking him. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, no, my trachea. Do you think he's more susceptible to choking with only the one lung? I hope so. <laughs> Just like take him out him, even faster. Takes him less time to suffocate to death. Yep. Yeah, it's quite, it, yeah, it's a little, a little less satisfying though, probably. <laughs> well, maybe to, he snapped his it. neck. 
And yeah. Tuvok's just like, this could be going on longer. Yeah. Computer, give, replicate, give computer Neelix a new lung. Yeah, give him five lungs. I want to choke him for a while. Oh. I, but again, I like the idea, like, this is legitimate. This is canon, mm. that Tuvok relieves stress by going to the holodeck and choking Neelix. Yep. And, and you can do that. Like, I would think after the Barkley incident, as I'm sure it's called. Oh, the, yeah. Like, I would think there'd be some kind of controls where you can't uh, replicate crew members. But mm, not right. only can you do that, you can murder them. Physically harm them, yeah. Yep. Which, which presumably means you can also still have sex with them. <laughs> I would find that very satisfying if you could, like, end of a bad day, you can go home and get, fucking yell at your boss. I think that might, like, I'm not a violent video games leads to real violence mm. believer, but I do think certain people might, like, that might lead to some bad stuff with certain kinds of people. You might not want to open that door. Mm. Or at least some slip-ups where they, like... You know, yeah. they interact with the captain. They're like, fuck you, captain. And they're like, oh, wait, I, I'm sorry. I thought this was You're the not holodeck. the holo captain. Because <laughs> I've played a lot of Grand Theft Auto, and then I, I'll go drive you in my car, and I oh. don't hit anybody. But I do have oh. the thought, like, I should just run into this guy and get around him. Yeah. Right. Like, it's going to be the same thing. I could just drive up on that uh, on that meridian and, uh, oh, wait, yeah. I can't do that. This is the real world. <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen. Yeah, but I vote, like, me too. But then I, like, it makes me realize that maybe some people who are more suggestible and have less, like, control over their impulses, maybe that's, maybe it does actually happen. Mm. Like, I don't know. Because, like, I'm, I, I have the sense to say, well, that was stupid. I shouldn't do that. But maybe there are people who don't have that. I don't know. Well, we, could, we could hand wave this and just say yeah. that I'm sure they study this and the fact that they're allowed to murder yeah. people they know must mean it has no effects. That's probably fine. Uh, on the other hand, we have this, and this is my bad thing, this stupid B story that doesn't go anywhere. Oh, God, um, yeah. what, the, A thing happening on the holodeck that people didn't, like the senior officers didn't even know was happening on the holodeck is my mm. point. <laughs> so, like, they don't know what's going on. That's true, because um, I was thinking, uh, like, the murder thing, if that's something you can do, I bet it's like, you know, when you're at work, your boss can still look at your, your internet logs if they want to. And maybe right. the captain goes through and like, well, let's see how many crew members murdered me this week, and let's see. How well, let me search for keyword murder. Yeah. <laughs> but it's she's not like, looking yeah. through every program, but yeah. I guess they don't know. Or how did Chakotay find out that this was going on? I uh, somebody tattled. I think I'm sure. My Harry probably told him. Yeah, probably. No, but okay. So I didn't talk about this in my summary because it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't contribute anything. Yeah. But it's not interesting or funny or anything. But like, there's some relatively random like reading of particles i don't remember exactly what it was but some like it's it's basically a random number generator from like the sensors and uh, uh, paris has a thing where everyone bets their replicator rations on what the number is going to be mm-hmm. and he gets 10 percent of the proceeds and nobody ever wins and then chakotay finds out and stops at the end it, it was that, like a weird f- uh, future version of kino or something where they had to- yeah yeah because I mean, no I like, one, yeah, they could be I no like the idea. I like the idea in principle that, like, all the weird scientific things happening on the ship probably do, gen- like, are better at generating random numbers than an actual random number. You know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> the number of particles is always going to be a seven-digit number, but we don't know what it is. Like, yeah. that's kind of cool. But yeah. That that's where it ends. It's not that cool. I, I I'm kind of a big fan of the idea of uh, replicator credits being used as currency on Voyager. Because well, Ben, you you I saw this in your notes a bit. You were kind of pondering how the the whole like inter- internal economy would work. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, because I was wondering. Yeah, since they they most of them are from Earth, and I don't know. I think this. I think uh, the Federation is currencyless, or is that just. Earth. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I I don't know that. Okay. Actually. I, <laughs> I, but either I way, most so. most of these people are from raised in a society without currency. And right. you could have a premise for an episode right there. How do they... They don't understand. They don't know scams. Like, really, this scam should have been so obvious once they had, like, two non-winners in a row. Mm-hmm. And they're all, right. like, science people. Like, they can tell, like, the odds of, of this and that. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah, how do they... They must be the, the best suckers for this. And how, how do they deal with that? Yeah, because now they're thrust into an economy with a gam- uh, gambling... Uh, That's the th- And we know... Earth hasn't had money since at least Kirk's time, so, like, there is no one alive who probably even remembers money. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is long in trend. Well, I mean, we're it's talking like about people thing. who are like, what's a truck? Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. What's a key? No, the, when they didn't know what a key was, Ugh. that's when I fucking oh, lost God. it. How do you not know what a... Ah! No, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's my bad thing for, like, five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're, you're right. It, it does... 
make it really interesting because yeah these guys don't know I, on the other hand they are always going and playing make-believe in uh past simulations so most of them must be aware what money is mm-hmm. i think like they're in a bar like presumably you get sort of like holodeck money to keep the illusion going so you pay for your drink and that right. kind of thing mm-hmm. right but but it would be like money in grand theft auto or something like no one a child but you know playing... the concept is my point yeah you wouldn't be good with it okay that's <laughs> yeah. fair yeah so is and, that the only video game you know? Because I mean, I, and that's not—I was—I'm like, not mocking you because that's the only video game I know. <laughs> what other game? Uh, like rupees, uh, like a child of rupees go. in Legend of Zelda. There you go. No, that—that's in India. That's a real place. <laughs> <laughs> when I found out that's what Indian currency actually was, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. They, they liked Zelda so much they built their yeah. currency around it. Big, yeah, that's big also why fans. their currency is in the shape of giant gems. <laughs> you can only call, carry 99 on you at a time, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and every shopkeeper is all like, buy something or get out. <laughs> uh, Matt, what was your good thing? I like angry Tuvok in his uh, in full-on rant mode when he they've got him... Uh, with the little things stuck to his head, and he's just screaming it at people, and well, then he goes. Same, it's the same thing we saw with Spock sometimes. Yeah, the guy who's usually controlled gets to let go. Yeah, I'm actually I'm watching it with Mal, and she's like, she turns to me, and she goes, "Why am I turned on by angry Tuvok?" I'm like, "I don't know, but that's interesting." <laughs> I'm gonna make <laughs> a note of that. Something about your wife there. Mm-hmm. I Ben, you you had an interesting observation about some of his more angry. Uh, yeah, because his his Vulcan voice sounds like you know the quintessential like nerd guy, <laughs> and so he's his ranting is like angry nerd. It, it reminds me of like people yelling, having arguments at the comic book store or something. <laughs> <laughs> this issue is the worst I've seen this month. That's not how well, Wolverine's I, powers work. I guess if they're rebooting this, I'll have to destroy all my back issues. <laughs> That's the rant that always like gets me the most. Like, I guess none of it counts now. Doesn't it's got to count, Al. Yeah, I guess not. Otherwise, I guess I wa- these... I've wasted 20 years of my life. Yeah, well, we've been doing the Star Trek show, and none of this matters except those two movies anyway, and it's I guess true. Enterprise. Because they it's didn't the undo way. Enterprise in that. Yeah. But anyway. No, I, I I, actually, like, Tim Ross, I thought was really good in this. Like, he plays the all the various emotions well, and it's good. Because they, they don't do the Spock thing, where Spock, every other week, they found an excuse to make him laugh or make him angry mm-hmm. or something, and they, they haven't done that with Tuvok so far. So it's been like... 35 episodes before we finally see him let go once so it's a little more shocking it's really off-putting like and he's he's good at it I you're not supposed like, to I, do that I, I, I won't i won't deny your your point there ben that it, it does come off a little like a little you know like angry <laughs> nerd but it's it's also uncharacteristic like it's it's what's the word i want like incongruous because that voice shouldn't sound angry it sounds unsettling in a way you know what i mean yeah and I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's good. And actually, apparently, Tim Russ put this in his, like, sizzle reel and his, like, here are highlights of my acting abilities. Oh, nice. Like, good for him. Thing, which is kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, and I, I thought he was good and I thought Brad Dorff was good. Like, there's a lot of scenes of them together. Yeah. That usually I would roll my, oh, here we go. Here's the hello, Clarice. And they it was actually pretty good. Like It I, toughens your nipple, nipples, doesn't it, Tuvok? <laughs> His niffles? His niffles. That's what, That's what Vulcans mean. call yeah. them. <laughs> but it's, in general, they, like, and I said this before, but really, they avoided a lot of the cliches. Mm-hmm. They didn't do the usual stuff. They they took it in kind of an interesting place. And to the point where, at the end, Tuvok's come to kill him, and for some reason, I guess he's going to kill him with melding again. And the melding, like, sort of balances them both out. Like yeah. He calms down a little, and the other dude, like, kind of sees where Tuvok was coming from and I know there's a nice like reversal in their face acting where like one is now the more intense one and one is now the more calm one mm-hmm. and it's pretty good pretty good stuff I thought I also like uh, after Tuvok passes out in that scene you got uh, Brad Dorif calling Chakotay oh god <laughs> and you mentioned this when we were watching it <laughs> yeah he he Chakotay, I think, is really annoyed from the whole gambling incident. So oh, yeah, normally, when he came in and shut that down, yeah. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, this crew. And then when he gets the call by this murderer on the combat, instead of being like, oh, no, the murderer's escaped, or oh, you yeah. stay where you are, okay. He's like, what are you doing with a combat? <laughs> How did you get a phone? What are you doing? Yeah. We took away your phone. How are you calling me? Put that away. <laughs> The thing is, I do like, there's a nice thread in here, and, and they don't shy away from this, like, this sort of like um, uh, death penalty uh, debate, 
where it's like we don't have the death penalty in the in the Federation. We're we're more advanced, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. But they don't leave it there because it's like okay, but we can't take him to jail. We can't like it's this discussion we've had before about how do you punish someone, yeah. and they actually it's not as ineffectual as usual. Like I made that joke, but really, that's that's the center of Tuvok's frustration, and it comes also from Suter's frustration and having melded with him and sort of it being transferred. Mm-hmm. They're both like, no, I should be punished. I should mm. probably be put to death. Mm-hmm. And Tuvok, having melded with the guy, he's like, yeah, this guy needs to die. Like, we don't just send him to his room. We got to do something more serious. <laughs> Although and, they did. I, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's where they landed because there's no other punishment they can give him. No. And the best they can do is confine him to quarters for murder. Like, because they don't kill people. And Tuvok's like, that's not that's not what we, like, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. He needs to be punished. Why can't they it, just keep him in the brig, though? Uh, I mean, I guess they can, but then you have to have a security guy there the whole yeah. time yeah, watching exactly. the brig. I yeah. feel like it's a tremendous waste of resources now that we have like, a guy who literally can't do anything. Yeah. But he still well, gets to eat every day. And like they've talked before about how there's only a hundred and so many people and they're all in essential jobs at mm. this point. Like they can't, every time they lose someone, the ship becomes a little less efficient. I would be very interested to see if they like... Um, they reroute like uh, the the computer to his quarters, so he still has to work. Oh, that could be. <laughs> Although he, they said before they even caught him, they said he's one of the Maquis who just doesn't like doesn't want to be doing this, and like like he could just refuse to do his job at that point. Mm. What are they going to do? Speaking of that, by the way. Oh yeah, that's your bad thing. That huh? is my bad thing. I've talked about this before, but you know this is a pretty good example. Um, to just get it all out. I'm sick of every single time someone on the crew is a bad guy or a traitor or a jerk. They're always, always, always the Maquis guys, you know? We're at a point where, like, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. We got possibly no hope of ever getting home. I want to see a couple of Starfleet guys who are just starting to, you know, get fed up with the whole thing and are willing to, like, you know, go against the captain or, like, try and hook up with the Kazon or something. See, I don't think Star Trek's allowed to do that. I think that's one of the fundamental just rules. You're not allowed. Like the Starfleet guys have to be good. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah, the and way they it fight. really bugs me. Like Starfleet's okay. made up of of humans. Humans make mistakes. Humans get fed up. You know, that's for like I, for better or worse, I'm not saying I agree or don't agree. I'm saying that's they drew that line. Mm. That's, and they that's said the this premise is, sort of. Yeah. Is it, it's optimistic when we've outgrown mistakes. Yeah, and we've we've hated that a lot, and I, I I haven't thought about it enough to really have an opinion, to be honest with you. But like, I think that's the reason why. And it's weird because in the original series, we had plenty of like half of the people Kirk went against were former captains or former commodores or whatever who yeah. went crazy. Like there were yeah. plenty of Starfleet guys who started out good and turned bad. Well, that's Gene's visionary vision that he always had coming around again. That he retroactively suddenly has. Yep. Yes. Well, that, that is something I kind of liked about Star Trek, and I, I've heard a lot of complaints from, especially like Ron Moore will talk about that a lot, about complaining mm-hmm. about all these restrictions. And in a way, I kind of like that, you know, having a character be a jerk or be evil or make, you know, certain kinds of mistakes, like, that's a go-to, and, and for good reason, because that's, that's human drama. But with Star Trek, sometimes it means you have to be a little more clever, or, or you're going to get a little different kind of impetus for for these this drama well, that's the thing with it with a good writing staff if you put yeah. those those limits in place then you're forced to be creative with a lazy yeah. writing staff the limits just mean they tell the same stories mm. over and over again right right that's the problem but so yeah, in a way, it's a way to get stuff that looks uniquely star trek if, if they're if they're right. following these rules and yeah i totally get if you're a writer this is a weird weird thing too and it's going to be extra hard but uh, mm-hmm. yeah it's it it should be hard. You shouldn't just come to work and tell the same story every time. Like <laughs> right, it, and often like I found this writing comedy, but I think it's true writing anything. If like if you put a few rules and restrictions in there, and you have to write within a a, a more narrow way, that that focuses you more. I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're not I, thinking I, of things you wouldn't have thought of. Too. Yeah. Right, exactly. Now you have a certain framework to work on. But again, I'm not saying I disagree with you, Matt. I'm just saying like that's from the like from the production standpoint why why that is. I guess it never but, bothered me before because we it was always, you know, a Starfleet well, like, crew before. Like on Deep Space Nine, it was like they half the show was not Starfleet people. So if they wanted to tell that story, they just make it a not Starfleet person. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's so much more obvious now because they're still they're wearing the Starfleet uniforms, but they've always got that little square around their pips. Every time. Oh, is that 
Is that uh, no, no? This that's because he's a crewman. That's not because of that. No, there's a there's a certain something no. on the pips that uh, distinguishes Maquis crew not, members from uh, Federation crew members. I don't think that is true. They all have a tattooed M, a tattooed M oh, yes. over their eyes. That's eye. right. Okay. okay. Does yeah, uh, does, does Balana have one of those? Yeah, she does. Does she? Huh. Yeah. I did oh, wow. not notice that. Though. How many episodes have you guys watched? Yeah, I don't. I, I I said this last week, and I almost edited myself out. But I'm not paying that much attention anymore. <laughs> I just people can know. I don't care. Well, Maquis no, Maquis wouldn't even have happened. I think with uh, Roddenberry in charge. Like, oh there's yeah, no way. You know. Well, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at. Is like on DS9, they made half the crew not Starfleet, so they could tell those stories. On this show, the idea in the beginning was half the crew are bad guys, so who yeah. knows what could happen, but then they just dropped the ball with that for so long that, you know. Yeah, it, it doesn't, up, yeah, they didn't, that needed to be way exaggerated that they were, they shouldn't have been, and this is going back, but like, I don't think they should have been in uniform either. That should have been I a agree. conflict, a central conflict of the show and yeah. not just a convenient, yeah, scapegoat kind of thing. No, in the, in the pilot, Chakotay doesn't even say, but what about this? He just says, yep, let's do it. Oh, well, that's then, the best for everybody. Let's get together. Yeah. And, he yeah. never once even raises a question, much less like disagrees. He just right. says, yep, you're you're the captain. Very good. <laughs> it's terrible. Would, I have a question. Was uh, It was a suitor. Was mm-hmm. he, I can't remember the Maquis situation. They were supposed to be former Starfleet. Was he actually star, like a Starfleet officer? Cause we I don't think they were about... all, I don't okay. think they were all formerly mm-hmm. Starfleet. Matt, do you know? Okay. I, I couldn't tell you. Like oh, so the they, idea was. That they were former Federation people who yeah. were against this, okay. like the situation, but I don't necessarily think they were. Uh, okay, because we had talked about whether he, how he would have even made it as a Starfleet officer with with his yeah. personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I think guess he that would've. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. So, I mean, I get Matt. I think you have a good point that it is it, for for us as the audience. It's like, well, obviously, it's the Maquis guy. Yeah. Like I'm not. There's no, there's no tension for me because I know the bad guy is going to be the guys you had said are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Well, if you're doing the show, what you'd want to do then is have a whodunit and have it point to like several Maquis people, and then the twist is that it's not a Maquis person. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Just once, you know, like. I or if we have decided for whatever reason that we're not doing the the conflict thing anymore, then that's it. It's gone. Like because we've had a few episodes where the whole. The whole story has built to, but now we're friends. Mm. So, okay, if that's the case, I don't like that, but stick with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. Like, we're done. But then they keep bringing it back up, and it's like, I thought we dealt with this already. So, I, I don't know. Anyway, but overall, I enjoyed this one. Yeah. No, it was good. I was surprised. I'll, I'll uh, give it a, a final compliment from me. I talked about mm-hmm. the last episode was a sort of a let's undo the premise. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is usually with these shows that has a central sort of like story thrust is you have the episode now. I, I don't really like this term, but they call it filler where it's like, well, we'll we won't worry about the, the central problem. Let's just show life and, and something else happening. And sometimes that seems weird, like the last season of DS9 where they're in the middle of this war and then like, well, let's take a break for like a, a baseball game. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, I think. Number one, because the problem was actually like a real problem, like there's a murderer. Uh, right. And two, I think, you know, the, the way it was told, it didn't seem like a here's a wacky, silly life life on the ship kind of thing. That's not. Well, that was the stupid problem. B plot. That's true. Yeah, actually, if that had been the whole episode or that kind of episode, that would have yeah. could potentially seem weird unless it's tied to like, yeah, that we're we're half Maquis or that we're stranded. Something about the premise has to come into play for it not to seem right. superfluous. No, you're, this, you're you're right, and also we get a good like mainly focus on one guy in a bottle episode thing, which I liked. Yeah, yep. So that's good. Um, I did not pick a quote, so I'm just not going to have one. What do you think of that? Wow, it, I I just making a command decision right there. I I can't think of any memorable dialogue. I don't feel like uh, backtracking <laughs> later, so fuck it. No quote. Wow, I had some quotes. If you want to use mine, I just found no. like funny out of context quotes. Nah. No. Okay. No quotes. I just don't feel like editing. That's all. <laughs> uh, so, any any final thoughts? Any any points nope. you wanted to make? Any anything, gentlemen? No, I don't um, think so. No, I, I'm I'm wondering just as a last little thing of discussion, like, what does Tuvok learn at the end? Do you think? Because like he doesn't really learn about 
you know, this guy says no because because the, the whole the whole point was to find out what the reason was, and there never was a reason. He certainly learns never to call Chicote when he's in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> he he learned don't don't meld with strange men. That's that's an important lesson. I think we can all yeah. learn something from that. Yeah. Or maybe do they have like some kind of a mental condom, some kind of extra layer of yeah. like protection for that? I I don't know. He he did learn what it feels like when Neelix's last breaths move by his hand. Mm. I guess. But like I said, I don't feel like he learned that in this episode. I feel like that's something he's been doing for a while now. <laughs> that's true. So, he learned nothing. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing. So once again, we're back where we started. Yep. Voyager. <laughs> Ben, it's been a delight having you on. Why don't you tell the fine people about the creative venture that you do? Yeah, uh, I do a uh, comic book series that I do myself called Poop Office. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, as you can imagine, it's a comic about an office staffed entirely by poop. So they they work on their computers. uh, They write TP reports with number two pencils. It's exactly what you think it is. Uh, And that I have... uh, that on my website if you want to check that out my website is nakedgrapecomics.com mm-hmm. you can also google poop office and you'll find it you'll also find a video about how to poop at the office which always mm. comes up that's um, informative so, yeah it might be helpful yeah. uh yeah so check it out i've got merchandise too i'm gonna plug the crap out of this uh, oh, absolutely I got, yeah i got all kinds of all the merchandise i do myself too i got plush dolls that i sew myself wow um, yeah you have these fantastic little like plush turds yeah, and they're all, yeah, they're poops, and I got, you know, there's catnip toys, and I have uh, mugs and all kinds of stuff. Um, so check it out, and uh, I'm also on Twitter. You can find me at Ben Pooped. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's really got the branding thing down. I'm, I'm all over, yeah. I got a Pinterest page. Ooh. I'm all over it, yeah. So check it out. Excellent. And yeah, no, you. and I can I can speak highly for your comic. I It is a, <laughs> a consistent source of amusement for me. I, thank you very fantastic. much. Uh, and I'm not saying that just because I know you. I really do enjoy it. Uh, and that's it for this week. Next week, we are doing the uh, our, our annual crossover with the Drunken Time Travel folks. So look forward to that. I'm not going to say what we're doing just yet. I'm going to leave it leave it as a surprise. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I dare say it's not going to be as terrible as last year when we did the Star Wars Holiday Special. It would be hard to. <laughs> I, I, I will say this, though, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, when we speak to the Gavs mm-hmm. next Saturday morning. Uh, they in the UK will have already seen the new Star Wars movie, and we will not. Oh, so they will be able to like hold that over us. That's... Hopefully, the <laughs> hopefully they'll be nice. But uh... there's an element of danger there. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's not not even just the spoiler thing. Mostly just the haha. I got to see it, and you didn't yet. <laughs> yep. So look forward to that. Uh huh. Um, and that's all for this time. All right. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. 